Well, hey, welcome to First Church. We're so glad you're here. And we are one church that meets in multiple locations. So I want to give a quick shout out to our family out at Vertigris Stone Canyon, also those watching online. So glad that you're joining us this morning. My son Alex, he got a pretty expensive gift from my in-laws this year for Christmas. They gave him an iPad mini. Now, when I first heard about it, I was like, what? What are you doing? He's four years old. Why does he need a brand new iPad? But they were just like, listen, Chad, it'll be okay. He's going to be traveling back and forth a lot, making a lot of plane rides and stuff. This will keep him occupied. It'll be a good thing. And I was against it. I thought it was way too expensive, but I've learned not to argue with my in-laws. And so Nana and Papa won out, and they gave him an iPad for Christmas. They gave it to him early so that with us traveling back and forth, he would have it. And I have to admit, I was wrong. It's been a lifesaver. Uh, it's kept him occupied. He's able to play games on it and draw and uh, watch movies, all sorts of stuff. And it has. It's been a lifesaver for us. And one thing that I noticed as we were in and out of airports, especially after the holidays, is that iPads and tablets, they don't just keep kids entertained. They also keep a whole lot of adults entertained. And on one flight, in fact, the last flight we took on the way back here to Oklahoma, I was sitting in my seat, the plane was getting ready to take off, and the woman sitting beside me, there was the aisle in between us, but the woman sitting across the aisle from me, pulled out her iPad, and she started to watch a movie. That's no big deal, you know, she's allowed to watch a movie. And so the plane took off, I was tired, I fell asleep. And then we had a, kind of a rocky flight, and you know, there was some turbulence and all that. So I woke up, and when I woke up, I looked over at the lady sitting beside me, and I looked at the movie she was watching. <laughs> and there was a scene on this movie that, well, let's just say it wasn't G-rated. It really wasn't even PG-rated or PG-13 rated. It was pushing an R rating. I mean, it was beyond that, really. I looked and I saw a scene that you would expect to see like in the movie Fifty Shades of Grey or something like that. Now, I've never seen that movie, so I don't know, but you know, that's what I would expect to see. Wasn't an appropriate scene to be watching in public, especially on an airplane like that. And I thought, what are you doing? You know, there are people on this plane. It's a crowded plane. There's families. There's kids here. What are you doing? She wasn't fast-forwarding through the scene. She was just sitting there watching it. And then it hit me. My family's on this plane. My son, my daughter, they're on this plane. And so I looked. Alex was sitting beside me to the right of me to make sure he wasn't watching. And when I turned to look at him, there were his eyes looking straight at her. And so I quickly like jumped in front of me. I was like, oh, no, I didn't know uh, what he had saw. And I was worried because I didn't want to have the talk with him way too soon. And so I kind of jumped in front of him. And he looked at me, and his eyes were about this big. And he started to whisper, and he goes, Daddy? I was like, oh, no. It's like, what, buddy? He goes, that lady. I'm like, yeah? He goes, she's been watching her iPad for a long time. Her battery's going to die. And I was like, crisis averted. Okay, good. He wasn't even watching what she was watching. He was more worried about the battery dying. We're going to be okay. You know, there are some things in life that we wish we could unsee. But you know, there are some things in life that we should see that we're meant to see, that for whatever reason, we don't see. I saw this video a while back on YouTube of a girl who wanted to share great news with her mom. She wanted to let her mom know that she was engaged, but she didn't just want to come out and tell her mom. She wanted her mom to notice the ring on her finger, and her mom was totally oblivious. She missed it totally. Take a look at this video clip real fast. Your nails. What about your nails? I hate your nails. Oh, it's just a man. Look at no 
Sometimes in life, we miss what we're meant to see. And I think that's true on a spiritual level as well. Sometimes in life, we miss what God wants us to see. The New Testament writers use a word to describe how Jesus saw people. It's a pretty unique Greek word. It's the word splognitsomai. And it's kind of a fun word to say, splognitsomai. If you would, say it with me on the count of three out loud at all of our campuses. One, two, three. Splognitsomai. All right, now you know a little bit of Greek. Go home and tell your neighbors that you've learned some Greek this morning. And this word literally means to feel pain in your stomach because you see someone else's pain. Someone else's pain becomes your pain. And that pain doesn't go away until you do something about it. That's splognitsomai. In English, we use the word compassion to translate this word. And I believe that Jesus' entire ministry, his entire life for that matter, can be summed up with this one word, compassion, splognitsomai. Because our pain became Jesus' pain. Our hurt became his hurt. Jesus was burdened for the world long before He ever went to the cross to die for it. He saw us in our pain. He saw us hurting. And He didn't want us to have that pain anymore. He didn't want us to hurt anymore. Our pain was His pain. Our hurt became His hurt. And the reason why our pain became His pain is because He cares for us. He loves us. We matter to Him. See, Jesus came to remind us of a key spiritual truth. Nobody's a nobody to God. Everybody's somebody to God. And if you don't believe that, there's a cross that stands in history that defines your worth, that defines your identity, that gives your life value. Nobody's a nobody to God. Everybody's a somebody to God. And this morning, we're going to look at a man in Scripture found in Mark chapter 10 who was a somebody, who was made to feel like a nobody. His name, Bartimaeus. And his name means son of honor, but he wasn't receiving a whole lot of honor in life. His story, like I said, is found in Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app on your phone or tablet, if you want to turn there with me, we're going to start at verse 46. And let's look at Bartimaeus' story. Verse 46 says this in Mark chapter 10, they, Then they, speaking of Jesus and His disciples, came to Jericho. And as Jesus and His disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now let's pause right there. There's a few observations I want to make before we go any further. And the first observation is this. As Jesus is leaving the city of Jericho, the text says a great crowd was following him. Now that's a theme that you're going to read all throughout the Gospels. Everywhere Jesus went, people were attracted to him. Everywhere Jesus went, people followed him. There were even times when Jesus tried to like get away from the crowds in order to rest and in order to recoup, but yet the crowds seemed to find him no matter where he went. Everywhere Jesus went, people were attracted to him. And I think there's a reason for that. See, Jesus is the embodiment of grace. And so everyone, 
felt as if they mattered in his presence. Everyone found purpose and meaning around him. Everyone felt like a someone in his presence. See, where Jesus is, grace is. And throughout his life, prostitutes, tax collectors, those who were considered lowlifes, criminals, even the outcasts of society, they flocked to Jesus. When no one else would accept them, they knew Jesus would accept them. Because where Jesus is, grace is. And everyone knew in his presence that their life had value. Their life had meaning. That their life mattered. And honestly, shouldn't that be true of us today as the church? As the church, we're the embodiment of Jesus. And if Jesus is the embodiment of grace, that means we're to be a community where grace is present. Now, everyone's not going to accept our message of grace. Everyone's not going to want to accept the new life that we're offering through Jesus. But people should be attracted to us because we are showing them the love and the grace of our God. So crowds were following him, flocking to him. But the second observation that I want to point out is that they're flocking to him and following him as he's leaving the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was located about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It was kind of the last stop you would make before you got to the city of Jerusalem. It was a rest stop, basically. And at this time of year, Jericho would have been extremely packed. It would have been full of people. There would, have not, there would not have been a hotel anywhere that had an open reservation because we're just a few days now away from Passover. Passover was the biggest Jewish holiday. And so Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And before they would get to Jerusalem, they would make a pit stop and make a rest stop in the city of Jericho. And so Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and a lot of people are on their way to Jerusalem. And these people that are going for the Passover, they hear that Jesus is there, and so they want to see him. They want to be near him. They've heard the stories about him, and so they start to line the streets in order to get close to him and just get a glimpse of him. And so kind of this makeshift parade is formed as people are looking over one another, trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, trying to see him. You ever been in a large crowd trying to see something? Maybe you've been in a parade that, where the streets, the sidewalks are packed full of people, you're trying to see what's going on. I remember a few summers ago, my family went to Disneyland in California, and Allison said, I don't want to miss the nighttime parade, so make sure that you save as a seat. I was like, okay, I can do that. And I thought when she said save as a seat, she meant like be there 20 minutes or 30 minutes before the parade. No, she meant be there like two hours before the parade started. I was like, two hours, really? She's like, if we're going to see it, you've got to get there two hours early. So I did. I went and found a good spot on the sidewalk, and I brought a couple bags and stuff with me to save some seats for her and Alex. Addie hadn't come along yet. And so I saved seats. And I, I sat there for a while by myself, but as we got closer and closer to time for the parade, I understood why she wanted me there so early, because pretty soon the sidewalks were full of people. People were leaning on one another, looking over top of one another, trying to be able to see what was happening. And as I was saving those seats, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and were just like, are those saved? Are those saved? And I was like, yeah, they're saved. And I made a lot of people unhappy at the happiest place on earth, because they wanted those seats uh, that I was saving. And so, I, I, have you ever been in a crowd like that, where it's just so many people and they're all trying to see the same thing? That's what was going on in Jericho that day as Jesus passed by. And right up front is this guy named Bartimaeus. Now, he's not up front because he was trying to save a seat or because he wanted to get there ahead of everybody else. He was up front because he was already on the street. He was there every day, begging for money. See, that's the third observation I want to make. Bartimaeus was begging. 
Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of somebody on the side of the road begging for money. But let me let you know something about Bartimaeus. He's begging, but he's not doing it by choice. Bartimaeus was blind. And in a day and age with no Disabilities Act or no social services, this was really his only option for survival. And fortunately, people in the first century world, they didn't respect people who had disabilities. They didn't care for people who had disabilities. Often those who had disabilities were considered outcasts and were overlooked by the culture. They couldn't get a job and they lived on the fringe of society. They were the forgotten. They were the untouchables. And for many people, they were simply a burden. Bartimaeus didn't beg because he's some shady panhandler who's just trying to scheme people out of money. Bartimaeus begged because he didn't have a choice. It's the only way he could survive. So Bartimaeus is in his normal spot probably, begging on the side of the road. Let's read and see what happens, verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why does Bartimaeus shout out like this? Bartimaeus wants to know something. He's asking a question that I think many people in our culture today are asking. He's asking a question that I think many people in our 918 community ask every single day. And it's this. Can you see me? Studies have shown that there is no more destructive influence on our physical and mental health than isolation. In fact, when it comes to our emotional well-being, one of the worst things that can happen is for us to be isolated or feel isolated from other people. That's Bartimaeus. He's shouting out because all of his life he's wondered, does anybody really notice me? Does anybody really see me? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody love me enough to help me? Bartimaeus wants to know, does my life matter to anyone? And deep down, honestly, isn't that what we all want to know? Don't we all want to know if anyone sees us, if anyone loves us, if anyone cares about us, if our life really does matter to someone else. In 2017, Banners released the hit song, Someone to You. And I want you to listen, or pay attention to these lyrics. The song says, I don't want to die or fade away. I just want to be someone. I just want to be someone. Dive and disappear without a trace. I just want to be someone. Well... Doesn't everyone? I just want to be somebody to someone, oh. I want to be somebody to someone, oh. I never had nobody and no road home. I want to be somebody to someone. And I'm convinced those lyrics reflect the heart of so many people in our culture. We just want to be somebody to someone. And that's what Bartimaeus wants to know. Does anyone see me? Do I matter to anyone? And all of his life, he's heard the same response that he got in Mark chapter 10. Look at verse 48 again. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. That's what he's heard all of his life. 
Bartimaeus, stop bothering us. Bartimaeus, we don't have time for you. Bartimaeus, we're too busy for you. Bartimaeus, get out of our way. Go somewhere else. Just be quiet. And yet Mark tells us that even though they tell him to hush, Bartimaeus cries out all the more. Why? Because he's desperate. All of his life, he's been ignored. All of his life, he's been overlooked. And Jesus is his last hope. He's heard stories about this man. He's heard how Jesus has treated others like him. And it's his hope that maybe Jesus will see him. Jesus will hear him. Jesus will notice him. That Jesus will stop for him. And that's exactly what happens. When Jesus hears Bartimaeus' desperate cries, look at what happens. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. My two favorite words in this entire passage are the words, Jesus stopped. Because Bartimaeus is shouting for help and everyone else is saying, shh, we're too busy for you. Jesus is too busy for you. Don't bother him. And yet Jesus stops. Because Jesus, he's never too busy for us. He's never bothered by us. Because Jesus' priority is people. And notice how the text says that Bartimaeus leaves his cloak behind and he runs to Jesus, straight to him. See, that may not seem like an important detail to you. Okay, he leaves his cloak behind and he goes to see Jesus. That may not seem like that big of a deal, but it is. Because to Bartimaeus, his cloak was everything. For a blind man, for a beggar, what people would do is they would throw money into your cloak. And so at the end of the day, you would then gather up your cloak, tie it up, and you would take it to wherever your home was. You would keep your most valuable possessions with you in that cloak. And so when the text says that Bartimaeus left his cloak behind, he's leaving everything of value in his life behind. He's leaving everything he knows to be worthwhile behind in order to go and see Jesus, why? Because knowing that your life matters means more than all the money and the stuff that this world has to offer. When Jesus said, call him, Bartimaeus felt as if he mattered. Maybe for the first time in his life. Verse 51 Jesus asked Bartimaeus an interesting question. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now, I don't know about you, but don't you find Jesus' question a little odd? What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Jesus, how do you expect him to answer? I mean, the man's been blind his entire life. How do you expect him to answer? Uh, well, I think I want a new car. No, that's not what he's going to say. 
Of course, Bartimaeus is going to say, I want to see. I mean, Jesus has miraculous powers, right? Bartimaeus has heard the stories about him. He's healing all these people. What do you think Bartimaeus is going to say? So why did Jesus ask the question when he already knew the answer? Why did Jesus ask, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is letting Bartimaeus know, hey, I do see you. And you do matter. And your needs matter. And I'm here to help you. See, love never assumes anything. Love listens. Love responds. And by asking the question, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to understand what's going on here. The God who created the heavens and the earth is stopping dead in his tracks on his way to the cross to turn to a man that everyone else has ignored to say, what can I do for you? Just by asking the question, Jesus is adding value to Bartimaeus' life. He's giving worth to his existence. That the God of the universe would stop to ask him that question. Bartimaeus is a somebody to God. It's what that reveals to us. Nobody's a nobody to God. Everybody's a somebody to God. And that's not just true for Bartimaeus. It's true for all of us today. It's true for you. And I believe that's what God wants you to know this morning. You see, one thing we all have to understand is that we're just not someone to somebody. We are someone to the one, to God. One thing we all have in common, we all have in common with Bartimaeus, we all have in common with one another, is that all of us are hurting and all of us need healing. And because we matter to God, Jesus came to bring us just that. All of us are hurting. And all of us are in need of healing. And in varying degrees, we all need healing. So let me just do a little experiment with you at all of our campuses. I want you to raise your hand if you have been negatively affected by one or any of these experiences that I'm going to list. Okay, so put your hand up high. Bankruptcy. Divorce. Gossip. Miscarriage. Depression, loneliness, addiction, cancer, infertility, gossip, betrayal, family dysfunction, prison, suicide, illness, put your hand up high, failing health, prison, job termination, sickness, social rejection, injury, Death. At all of our campuses, look around. We're all hurting. We're all in need of healing. In Matthew's account of this story of Bartimaeus, it says that when Bartimaeus says, I want to see that Jesus was filled with compassion. Spagmitsomai. In that moment... Bartimaeus' pain became Jesus' pain. And in typical Jesus fashion, Jesus saw a need, and he met that need. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, 
Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now most of the time when we read this passage, we get excited that Bartimaeus was healed, that he could see his sight was restored. But for me, what excites me the most is not that Bartimaeus received his sight, but it's the words he followed Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't just give Bartimaeus the ability to see. Jesus also changed his life. Compassion is a catalyst for change. Compassion offers people the opportunity at a fresh start. Bartimaeus was willing to follow Jesus wherever he went because he knew that in the presence of Jesus, his life mattered. He knew in the presence of Jesus, he had purpose. There was meaning to his existence. Jesus was teaching him that he was a someone to God. And right now, there are probably dozens of people that you know that are not here today with us, and for that matter, they're not in any church. And they're hurting. But the differences between them and us, they're not healing. Because they're not part of a loving community like ours that offers them the healing they need. And if they don't find healing, you know what they're going to do with their hurt? They're either going to try to numb it, hide it, or they're going to take it out on someone else. And at First Church, we're here because the 918 community needs to know healing is available. We're here to let our community, to let people know that healing is available. And they can find it when they come and they are a part of what we're doing here. Because we're a place, we're a people, we're a community, we're a family where Jesus is present. That's why we've been placed here. That's why the church exists. And I think a great illustration of the church's purpose is a commercial that I saw not too long ago of some guys playing basketball who were in wheelchairs. And I remember watching this commercial a while back and I was touched by it. And I thought, what a picture. What an example of determination. What an example of hard work and dedication, not giving up. And I was touched by the different clips that I saw in this commercial. But then I got to the end of the commercial, and when I saw the ending, I was shocked. Because I realized that there's only one guy in that commercial who actually needed a wheelchair. The rest of the guys just wanted to spend time with their friend. Guys, that's what the church is all about. We give up our comforts. We give up our preferences. We give up our freedoms. We give up our personal ambitions to let the people around us know that healing is available. We get on their level and we do whatever it takes to introduce them to the God who loves them. We do whatever it takes to let them know they matter to God. Guys, the church isn't a hotel for religious people. The church is a hospital for those in need of healing. And we should always be a place where people are able to find a fresh start to the healing that Jesus provides.
Nobody is a nobody to God. Everybody's a somebody to God. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Because that is true for you today. And maybe there's somebody in your life right now that you, you can think of that comes by who needs to hear that. This week, go out there and let them know that we're a place that believes, that lives by the truth. Nobody's a nobody to God. Everybody's a somebody to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this time we've had together, for this reminder from Your Word that our lives do matter. We matter to You. And the world may reject us and the world may look down upon us. The world may ignore us and overlook us. But you always see us. And we matter to you. So Father, let us find the Bartimaeuses in our life that need to know that they matter. But if that's us today, if we're wondering if anyone can see us, may we be reminded that you see us that you love us, that we matter to you. Thank you so much for Jesus, and it's through his name I pray. Amen.